Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Hey, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward. We're going to do an offering together. Uh, if you are new, basically means that you, you take all the money you have and give it to us. Yes. No. Let's pray about it so we can get our hearts right. God, thank you for spoiling us the way that you do. Uh, if anybody is in this room who doesn't know that they're spoiled, I pray that you would begin to, uh, to help that truth to sink in, that we don't have a single thing that you haven't given to us. God, thank you for not just uh, providing for us, but blessing us, giving us more than we deserve. And so we just take this time, we give an, an offering to you, just a portion of what you've given to us, because we want to invest it in your kingdom. We pray that people would be, uh, would be rescued from hopelessness. That people would be um, just healed and transformed. People who thought that they were going to have to deal with something for the rest of their life. That you would come in and you would change it. We just pray for restoration. Pray for um, just all sorts of revivals. Revival of your spirit, revival of our enthusiasm for your spirit. Revival uh, in our city. We pray that Shevwa would become a hotspot <laughs> of activity from you. So thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Yeah. Prayer clap. I like it. Hey. There's a, a couple of things I'm going to cover at the end for announcement-wise. Hopefully you received your program, and uh, it has a lot of that stuff in it. But today, what we're going to talk about is uh, the fact that you are, um, you're a dirtbag. Um, and I don't mean it in a bad way. Um, I mean it in a true way, um, that you were made from dirt, that you were made from dust. You were made from the stuff that is on the ground everywhere that gets kicked all over, that uh, it gets swept up. You're a dirtbag. Again, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in the way that Scripture says that God was in the, the mode of making everything and that he spoke all of these different things into existence, that whatever he was looking for, uh, he would say, you know what, I'm going to make uh, a differentiation between night and day. And so he speaks it into existence. He speaks into existence all the animals, all the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field, it says. He speaks into existence uh, the sunset, the sunrise. He speaks into existence the oceans. He speaks into existence every one of these things. And then he changes he changes the way he's doing it when he gets to his, his prized possession. He changes the way he's doing it. So I want you to put on your imagination glasses for a second. Just imagine, I want you to imagine 
Maybe that you're the, the, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote a lot of things in the Old Testament about the truth of God, who God was, the way that God felt about things. And so he was always trying to understand what God was saying, understand what God was doing and how he was moving and was able to translate that to other people through his writing. One of the things that the prophet Jeremiah says is that God is like a potter. He's a potter who makes pots, who makes clay objects, makes pitchers and vases and vases. Those are two different things. But that he is, he is that kind, that God's an artist. Throughout scripture, what you'll see is that God is an artist. If you are a person who thinks that God is sitting on a mountain waiting to strike you down with lightning when you screw up, um, not typical artist move. Not typical for an artist. Not typical for a create. You know, God is a creative. If you're a creative person, you got that from God because you have fingerprints of his DNA all over you. You have these things that are like him about you. It says because you're made in his image and his likeness. He's creative. Maybe that's where you got it from. And so God is speaking all these things into existence. The animals, the, the different things in nature, the different uh, seasons and elements, the trees. He gets to uh, his final thing. And this also is a, an example of something that we need to be um, following God's example in, uh, of speaking things into existence. Um, maybe you could, you could say, name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. Speak it into existence that, you know, maybe you're not in a certain place, but you could speak into existence, uh, God, next year I am going to be in Kenya, and I am going to be working with children, and I am going to, and you speak that into existence, and when it gets spoken, something changes. There's power in your words. And God doesn't speak without there being something real coming from it. And so he creates all these different things, but then God changes the way he's doing it. He doesn't speak us into existence. He leans down onto the ground. God gets down on one knee, and he scoops up some dirt, and he starts working with it, and he starts molding it in his hands and squeezing it back and forth, and the angels have to be staring at this going, what the? Because they've had six days of, they kind of got used to the way God works. This is how he does it, right? Six days in a row, making things. He speaks them into existence. But now he's playing in the dirt. And he's moving it back and forth. And God is working on creating his crown jewel. But the, the thing that he makes, Adam, is still lifeless. It's lifeless because it's dirt. Because it's still just dirt. Maybe it's mud now. Then God bends down, and it says that he breathes into it. He breathes the breath of life into the nostrils. And all of a sudden, we get to see God make something beautiful out of dust. Amen. He makes something beautiful out of dust. Um, turn to your neighbor and say, you are a beautiful dirt bag. 
You are. That, that, that's the thing that he does, though. That's the thing that he does. Some of you feel crusty and dusty. Like, you feel like, I'm, well, I'm coming to church, but I, I don't, I'm not really going to put a lot of effort into it. It might be time for God to breathe the breath of life into your nostrils and for you to be alive in, in his spirit. Here's what we see in Jeremiah chapter 18. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. And so I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. And if you guys have, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably all seen the, the movie Ghost. Come on. You have a wheel that is spinning. Before there was electricity, it was foot-powered, and they would go back and forth, and it had a rope that would pull it either way, and so they would work it back and forth, um, but now it would sit on a round table, slowly spin, and you can work the clay into something. So, so I went down to the potter's house, I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay, it was marred in his hands, and so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. So the thing that's going on is there's, there's two forces at work when a potter is making something. Uh, the vision of the potter, and so if you sit down, if you've ever done something creative like this, if you don't have any kind of plan... Uh, it usually shows. If you don't have any kind of plan, you're not really sure, and maybe it ends up turning out like something cool, but it just, it, you're risking it. It's a chance. It's a, a, a gamble. And so good potters would have a vision of what they're wanting to create. Am I, am I trying to make a pitcher? Am I trying to make a bowl? Am I trying to make a vase? What am I making? What am I studying? The vision of the potter is one thing. The other thing is the readiness of the clay, the readiness of the clay. Is the clay ready to be worked? Uh, because when you first get it out, it ain't. When you first get out a chunk and you try and set it on there, you're gonna, it's not gonna move very well. You have to add water, you have to work it back and forth, you have to get it pliable, you have to get it heated up to a certain temperature working in your hands. There's a lot that goes into it to get the clay ready. And so there's a vision of the potter, and then there's the clay, and is it ready or not? The potter's got a plan. God is saying that he is like a potter, and you are like the clay. And what it means is that he has a plan for your life. That he has a plan for your life. It, it, it's not just random chance, we'll see what happens, maybe it turns out good, maybe not. It's a plan, he's got a vision for your life, you're the clay. Jeremiah chapter 29, it says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Do you believe that? 
I know a lot of people who believe that God is out to harm them. Knock it off. It says right here in the word that he's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It says, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. In this story, God's the potter, and he's a potter who already knows what he wants to create. He's just making on the outside what he already has on the inside of his head, right? He's already got something on the inside of his head, and now he's just going the next step, and he's making it on the outside, but he's already got that picture. He's already got that plan. And so by the time God puts his hands on you, there's already a completed version of you in his mind. There's already a completed version of you in there, a version that is exactly how he made you to be, exactly what he planned for you differently. And you're not a robot. You're not the same as everybody else. And so you have certain gifts and talents and abilities, and some of them you might think are weird. And you better know that God makes people weird sometimes, that he's got certain things that are unique to you. It's just clay, right? It's like the cheapest thing. Any, anybody, like clay doesn't last either really, typically. Anybody have those ridiculous terracotta pots and they, they break when you look at them. <laughs> like, they're so... But you get them because they're like 46 cents still somehow. It's just clay, but that clay in the right hands can be some, something incredible. Uh, my wife and I, we try to collect Rookwood pottery. We're not very good at it. Um, it's expensive. Uh, we have a couple different things, some tiles that are glazed, uh, that have different images on them, and maybe those are 40 to $50 for those tiles, for about a, a four inch by four inch tile. Um, we have a couple different, uh, you know, pitchers or different pots or vases um, that, they're, they're not very expensive pieces, but uh, last year, one of these Rookwood pieces that was a seven inch tall pitcher it sold for $32,000 on eBay. That was a good one. That one was made by a special potter. Because it's not about the value of the dirt. It's about, it's about the value of the master potter who's putting his hands on that dirt. And the thing he's able to do, he instills value in worthless things. He instills value in dust, in dirt. And people say, that's just dirt. <laughs> no, when I get done with it. In this story, we're the clay. Clay can seem useless or worthless uh, without a potter. One thing about a potter working with the clay is the potter doesn't talk to the clay. Potter doesn't talk to the clay and say, what would you like to be? What would you like to be? He doesn't ask if it's okay. He doesn't get started and go, is this okay? Is this all right? Do I keep, keep going? Is it okay if I make you this way or that way? And yet, uh, for whatever, this is where we try to say, uh, we're not like the clay anymore. 
We're not like the dust anymore. We're not like the dirt anymore. We um, like to demand that the potter would do it differently. I don't want to be a bone. I want to be this. Can you make me this? Can you make me that? Can you? <laughs> One of the things that I've always noticed with pretty much any pastor I've ever come across, they all wish they could be the worship leader. They all wish that they could play music and sing, and uh, it's just one of those things where um, I, 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 like the, I like being a bowl, but I also want to be a pitcher. I also want to be this. We're the only ones that ask that. Can I be made differently? Jeremiah chapter 18, it says, And the vessel that he was making out of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. What does it mean to be spoiled in the potter's hands? A master potter has trained eyes that are able to see things that, um, that most of us could never see. We're, we're, not, you know, we're not advanced enough. We don't know the ins and outs. We haven't had our hands on it for thousands of hours. And so when he feels the clay and he's working it back and forth uh, and he is, you know, forming it, the thing that will cause him to squish it and start over completely is that he can see these micro-fractures. He can see little air bubbles in it that we can't see. He can see, uh, it, can, it can sound different and he knows by the sound these little cracks and impurities and problems, and he knows that it's not going to last. He knows that it's just going to become one of those terracotta pots. And so he smushes it, and he starts over. Clay is, is blind to its own impurities, blind to its own air bubbles and cracks and problems. The clay doesn't know it has those. We don't know we have those a lot of times. Jeremiah 17, it says, that's because... The heart is deceitful above all things. How do I not know this about myself, but other people around me do? Because your heart is deceitful. It says above all things, and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it? My heart uh, will convince me of incorrect things all the time. My heart will, if you follow your, when people say just follow your heart, mm, would not recommend Psalm 19 says, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. God, forgive my hidden faults, the ones I don't even know about. The ways that I offend you or other people, the way I hurt other people, the way I push people away from you that I don't know about. Forgive me of those things I don't recognize. I didn't know I had these, these little cracks and air bubbles and problems and so the process of making something from the potter is the first thing the potter does is he, he has to purify the clay. He's got to purify the clay. And denying this purification is um, it, it's just not, it's, it's going to deny the destiny of the pot. It's going to deny uh, the quality of it. It's going to deny ever getting $32,000 on eBay if you don't purify the clay. And the purification process, this is why God says you are exactly like this process. I'm the potter and you are the clay. It also has to be purified. You have to be purified. 
And so there needs to be a removal of sin from you. The air bubbles, the cracks, the impurities, the things that are wrong, are problems. The removal of sin, the removal of unhealthy patterns. And you can't compartmentalize. You can't, you can't say, well, I mean, I'm really good in all these ways. I just have this one little, I just have this one little thing. Yeah, that's how clay breaks. One little thing. You are one soul. You're one soul. You're not a hard drive with partitions on it that, oh, that's my secret one. And so you have to ask yourself, if, if you want to go through this purification process, you've got to ask, is there sin in my life? Is there sin in my life? Um, I've got to say, I probably never asked that because I just knew. I'm like, yep, before I asked. Yep, a whole bunch. Trying to work on it being less. I'm working on it all the time. I hope you're working on it every day. That's the hardest part about Christianity. It's every day. It's not done, it's not done after, after once. And so, one of the things that we have to do our part um, of this process is we have to ensure that the right conditions are, are there for the clay. That it's staying, you know, it stays moist. I apologize for saying that word for some of you. That it's not hardened. Scripture talks about you having a hardened heart. Are you a person that has a hardened heart? What happens when um, somebody comes up to you and you're driving and they ask you to roll your window down and you already know it's coming? You roll it down like, two and a half inches and they're like I'm just wondering if you might be able to spare and it's always like eight dollars you ever notice that like I'm trying to get I'm like man you can't get anywhere for eight dollars and lately the thing that always happens to me is I don't have any cash on me and several times people say well can we just go over to to ATM you get that one and I'm like it's usually when I stop being nice. I'm like, nah, see ya. Is, is your heart hardened? Um, where you don't even, you don't even make eye contact, you don't even roll the window down, you don't, you don't feel anything when you say no way. Uh, is your heart hardened? Potter can't, a potter can't work with hardened clay. So if you're somebody that's wondering, well, why doesn't God move in my life? I've been praying. I've been asking that this would happen. I want God to show up in a, a bigger way, that he'd be more real, that there'd be more activity. The potter can't work with hardened clay. And so it's a, almost every time it's a thing where it's on us. If there's something wrong, if we're not hearing him, if we're not seeing God move, I'm sorry for the bad news, it's us. It says uh, in Jeremiah 18, but they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. 
we will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. We're going to continue with our own plans. Follow the stubbornness of our own hearts. Have you ever given anybody uh, advice that you just knew was right? It was really good advice. And they just were like, "Eh, I'm going to do this other thing. That was going to get them in trouble. That was going to not work out well. that, That you... And you hate to say, I told you so. No, you don't. I told you so. We're going to continue with our own plans and follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. The clay tries to jump off the wheel. Clay needs to stay on the wheel. Some of you, you're you're new to church. Um, Maybe you were... Dr- drug here by someone, um, you know, one of the things a lot of times is if, if you're dating, yeah, I like that, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to go with her, you have to go with him, he invites you, especially at the beginning, and things start going great, you're in that, you're maybe in that uh, infatuation stage with God. You love the worship, you love the messages, you love the way the people are. Just, this place is great. I feel like God is doing things in my life. And you're like, yay, I love this God thing. Everything's going great. Yay, there's a new hot person at church who thinks I'm hot. Whee! But then stuff happens real fast, really fast. All of a sudden you're like, wait a second, that new hot person was looking at the hot person behind me. Or things are going great, God is good all the time, right? But you don't get the job. You're like, huh? What the? I was on a roll. You didn't get the thing that you prayed for. And you're like, boo, God. You better get it together, God. What are you doing? Like, I came up with a new plan. Can't you just get on board with it? The thing is, do you think that the potter is bothered by the clay wanting to be something else? As if he ever asked it. Um, and maybe the clay, if it could, would throw a tantrum like we do. The potter would do what, what a good parent does with tantrums. You sit back and let them, the kids exhaust themselves into stupidity tucker themselves out because he knows who are they going to come back to when they want Skyline? (laughs) He doesn't have to worry about losing them. He doesn't have to worry about stopping them if they're throwing a tantrum. God's chest is big enough to pound on. He can handle it. If you're angry with him, if you don't understand something, if you want to know why did he not answer this prayer, Uh, He can handle whatever you can give. And also, if you're, you know, I hear people say there's, uh, I just, I can't, I try to pray, and I try to pray at night, but I always end up falling asleep. That's what I hear all the time. That's some of you, I've fallen asleep trying to pray. And we'll think that, and we'll think that God is mad at us because of that. If any of you have kids and you have your little son or daughter 
you're holding them and they fall asleep on your shoulder, are you mad at them? He's, he's a good father. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There was a, a plan for your life that God had in mind when he uh, started forming you. He already had a picture of you on the inside of his mind of who you were supposed to be and what you were supposed to be doing. Your purpose. Now the thing is, we have been given free will. And so the clay can ruin itself. He doesn't just force us to be on autopilot, robots who have to do what he says, who have to love him, who have to step into the way that he made us to be. We have free will where though we have been made to do a certain something, we can, we can screw it up. We can take a wrong turn. We can get on a different path. We can get lost. We can form little cracks and air bubbles and mistakes and problems. But the coolest thing about our God, the coolest thing to me, in Romans chapter 8, it says that in all things he works for the good of those who love him. Amen. That in all things he works for the good of those who love him. And it, it just means that um, in all things, bad things, real bad things, really, really bad things, in all things, in your imperfections, in all things, he is able to work it together for your good. The potter squeezes that clay back down. He reforms it. He makes something new out of it. And so God is always ready to, make, to do, you know, call an audible, a last-minute change. How many of you know your purpose that you were given by God and have stepped into it? Lelena, what is yours? Uh, Lelena is being a missionary and serving others. And I have been in other countries with you, and you are a, you are a beast. You are a warrior princess. I know that my sister's calling on her life is to work with those who are addicted and help them to get out of hopelessness. And she has stepped into it. You were made to do it. Some of you have a purpose that you've been ignoring for a long time. You have something that's on your life that you've just maybe never stepped into. I would say, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? What brings you joy that maybe you never thought of in the God context? There's a good chance that God has wired you in a certain way that has to do with that. Romans 9, it says, One of you will say to me, Then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? 
I've asked that question a bunch of times. Uh, why did you make me like this? Um, why did you make me like this? And just the, the older I get and the longer I walk with Jesus, the more clear it becomes all the time that you made me like this for a bunch of reasons. You made me like this to reach other people like this. Says, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, they tell a story about different things that have been made by God and that often we, we don't like certain things. Um, a lot of us want to be a crystal platter. A lot of us want to be something beautiful, something... You know what's more useful than that, though? A garbage can. Way more useful. And so God makes trash cans. God makes artists. God makes flowers. He makes crystal platters. He makes certain things that are for special purposes and certain things that are for common use. And so whatever your thing is that you've been given, it could be multiple things. Um, you're, if you've given your life to Christ, you're known as a born-again Christian because you, the old you has died and the new has come. Uh, and so it's the old one being gone, the new one coming to life. That means it's your birthday. And when it's your birthday, you get presents. And so those presents are spiritual gifts, not just spiritual gifts, but strengths and talents Things that are supposed to be used for his glory. Who else knows what they were created to do? Yeah, Bill. Teaching. You're made to be a teacher. And it's kind of like when you know it, you feel that this is a thing that I was supposed to do. I don't know why, but you get that feeling on certain things like riding a horse. You ride a good horse and all of a sudden you're like, oh, people were created to do this. Why do we fit so perfectly on them? I was made to do this thing. Who else? Who knows what their purpose is or what God has, has called you to do? Denise. Work with children. God bless you. Let's just wrap up and pray. Uh, God, I want to pray specifically for just anyone here who is searching. They're searching for what they're supposed to do. They're searching for an understanding of who they are. And I pray that you would give them their identity. Give them their identity. Give them discernment to know uh, the difference between your voice and the voice of the enemy, the voice of maybe their own brain, that they would know when it's you and you speak the truth. That any sin that's in their life, that they would begin that process of recognizing it, of looking at it in the mirror, of rejecting it, of repenting from it and turning the other way and going the opposite direction. And thank you, thank you, thank you that you forgive us for it. 
that you forgive us for every single thing we've done up to this day. And if we've given our lives to you and believe that work you did on the cross, that you forgive us for every single thing we're going to do wrong from this day forward. That we don't have to worry about those scales anymore of um, am, I, am I good enough or am I balanced with good and bad uh, back and forth. We can just rest in the truth that you have us and you love us and you forgive us and you have a plan for us and you want to bring hope to us. You have a future in mind. That There was a picture of us in your brain before you ever made us that it says that you know the number of hairs on our head that you knit us together in our mother's womb. That you wanted us. That we weren't an accident. And then after we rejected you, you came and found us. You came and found us and you said you have a, a certificate of adoption you want to give to us that we wouldn't just be some random people that you made, but that we'd be sons and daughters. No accident anywhere. Just a plan for us, a plan that you would be our father, a plan that we would be your kids, a plan that we would be able to do your will and, and just glorify your name, your kingdom. So we just say, come Holy Spirit. Pray that you teach us more about ourselves. And help us to be ready clay. This is ready for whatever it is that you want to turn us into. If we're asking that, that question of what is my purpose, that we would just be ready for whatever it is you have. That if we feel like we messed up our purpose somewhere along the way, that we would remember that in all things you work those together for our good. We love you, Jesus. We don't care who knows it. Pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for being here. Next, next week, bring two friends. That's the challenge of this week, and uh, I hope to see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.